Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. Let's, uh, let, what words are used to describe church people? Since we're using words, we use the, uh, today there's a play on words, and uh, we're using uh, words to describe Jazz Vic. And I see we have, I, I, I love the honesty, uh, religious, I, I think that is hypocrites, but I get it, hypocritical, money hungry, fanatic, uptight, prideful, conservative. All right. Uh, YouTube, I'm sure you are participating today. I'm sure you're putting your words up there also. Uh, if you've never been to a church like this, we like to have a good time. And uh, okay, I did see servant, closed-minded, lack of awareness, Pharisee, preachy, extra. Wow. Okay. Spiritual, amen, we're moving in the right direction. <laughs> Loving, okay, hardworking, set in their ways. This is good. Boy, y'all giving me a lot to preach on, but I'm going to have to keep this sermon really short today, all right? You know, what we're going to look at here is, um, I, I wanted to do a contrast. I wanted us to look at, as Christians, those of us claiming to follow Christ, this is how sometimes we're perceived by the world. And I got to be honest, sometimes the world is accurate by the way we carry ourselves. However, uh, for those who are getting to know God, we got young Christians in the room. Uh, we have people who are visiting. We have people who may not even understand what this God thing is all about. I want to give us hope because Jesus is who we follow. We follow Jesus. And, you know, um, there are a lot of words that can be used, a lot of words, things that can be said about church people. And one of the reasons we wanted to honor Jazz is because he served here diligently as a pastor. But before he was a pastor, he was just Jazz the disciple. He's just, I remember him getting baptized. I remember him as a young man in his 20s, college student. He wasn't perfect. But one thing I can honestly say about him, he was committed. And then he kept growing. And I remember when he got a job at CSK, he, he just wanted to be in the community. He wanted to serve. He ended up being the softball coach there. So he went from being Jazz the disciple to Jazz the coach for the girls' softball team. And, you know, I, I have a good friend, Dr. Jones, who works at Best Academy. And, you know, it's so encouraging when I would go up there and there was nothing negative said about a Christian employee. I mean, it, it just was cool, you know. It, there was nothing like, hey, man, that's your boy Jazz. That work with him. Or he needs to be diligent. Because let me tell you about it. Teachers gossip. And I know some of y'all looking like, why are you going in on teachers? Because I work in the field. We talk about everybody. And it would have been like, man, that Coach Vic, he's this, he's late, he's not reliable. Nothing negative was said. Wow. And then he became Jazz the pastor. And, you know, Jazz and I have had our conversations. 
We've gone toe-to-toe on some things. But what I appreciate about it, he kept coming back. He kept coming back. He kept working through it. He kept growing. But what I want us to understand today, the title of my message is Distinctive. Distinctive. As um, Sean and I were talking yesterday, I said, you know, the word I can think of for jazz is distinctive. And she says, I agree. And it's really good when your wife agrees with you. That was good. Having a quality or characteristic that makes a person or thing different from others. Different in a way that is easy to notice. He had a distinctive walk. Christians are different. Christians should be different. We should be different than the world. We have a reputation. Now, we get to determine whether it's a good reputation or a bad reputation. But once you let people know you're a Christian, the, 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 the ideas, the thoughts. Now, sometimes we inherit the negative descriptions because of this world we live in. But I do think that we as believers need to embrace this mindset of being distinctive. Being distinctive is not a prerequisite for leadership. It is a requirement for, of discipleship. Being distinctive, you know, I, I don't want us to feel like, well, you know, Jazz was going was to be a pastor, so out of the waters of baptism, he, be, he became a certain dude because he was tracked to be a pastor. No, Jazz was and is a disciple. And when we allow ourselves to live and follow Jesus, he determines who we will be and what we will accomplish. Going to get an amen on that church. So I, I don't want to get into this mindset, because in the religious world, we expect the preacher to be committed. We expect leaders to live a certain way. In Jesus' world, he expects every disciple to be distinctive. Jesus taught people how to stand out in a cold and wicked world. First century world was cold. It was wicked. And his teachings radically opposed the lifestyles and philosophies of that day. In the first century, there was a scarcity mindset. There's not enough water. There's not enough food. There's not enough resources. And people fought all the time. Sounds like today. There was a fear of going without. And what Jesus did when he started ministering to people, he said, you know what? You will be different. Your mission is to prepare people to meet God. And the only way you're going to do that is that you got to live it, and then you got to treat one another right. And what's deep about it, do you realize there's no plan B for salvation for mankind? Jesus is not coming back again to do this all over. When he's coming back, he's coming back to judge. God says, I trust Jesus that you will find people and they will prepare them for me. I don't care how we feel about the church, it's the only hope. It's not going to be done through education, it's not going to be done through finances, it's not going to be done through charitable acts. God designed the church. It's like, really God, that's the best you could do? Yes, he, that was his plan. His plan was the church. So it is incumbent on us, it is our responsibility to wrestle with how we need to be as the church. You know, this past series we preached you know, about 
how to live our lives, how to set our schedules. And really, I hope you walked away with this one thought. Everything is about reflecting our spiritual priorities. That we live our lives in a way that we reflect what is important to us because the ultimate goal is for us to see God and to help people to get to know God. So when Jesus came, he preached a a series of sermons, and a lot of his teaching is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you want to better understand Jesus, say, I'm not sure about this Jesus, study out Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount, that's all these people came to Jesus. Crowds and crowds and crowds of people came to Jesus. He says, now I'm going to teach you how to be citizens of the kingdom. How you will be different, how you will stand out. And uh, many of us are familiar with the Beatitudes. And, you know, I was studying it out this past week, looking at the Beatitudes. And a lot of times we've been told the word blessed means happy. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm not that happy when I'm looking at the blessings. And really, as Westerners in the Western world, Americans, we want to be happy all the time. We feel like something is wrong if we're not always happy. So what do we do? We entertain ourselves all the time. We're constantly on our phones, playing all these games, looking at all these YouTubes, all this TikTok, and we just got to keep ourselves happy, happy. And we feel like something's wrong if we're not happy. You know, I I work with young adults, and they say, Professor, I'm not happy. I say, okay. (laughs) It's called life. I woke up today, I'm not happy. Okay. Sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're not. It's all called life. So the, what I looked at as I wrestled through this, a better definition of blessed for us, inner peace and joy. Because there's a pressure to always be happy. But we can sustain inner peace. Life is what it is. And we can learn to find joy. Now, that is tough because... We use joy and happiness all the same. Our our American vocabulary is so (laughs) self-centered. It's all about us, how we're feeling. But, you know, in the ancient world, they didn't have a lot of time to think about themselves all the time because they had to survive. It wasn't about entertainment. It was about how am I going to survive. All right, so let's look at the Beatitudes. And What I learned as I looked at the Beatitudes, I, I read them differently. I read them as a progression. You know, like in music, you progress chords, you grow. I think sometimes we can read them in isolation, but really, let's look at it this way. Let's read it as a progression. Okay, so the very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In essence, what Jesus was saying, inner joy and peace, when we realize that we have nothing in life that we can contribute to receiving the kingdom of heaven. Poor in a sense, we acknowledge, I have nothing. I can bargain salvation. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have anything. So what do I offer God? Just a humble spirit. We learn to practice humility. Why? God made us. We didn't make ourselves. God made us. He created us. So in order to even begin to have 
a relationship with God, Jesus said, first of all, we got to have a sense of humility. Then once we do that, we can go on to the next one because it says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. As we practice humility towards God, we grieve over our shortcomings, the sin we wrestle with. We all wrestle with sin. The most righteous person in this room. We struggle with lust. We struggle with jealousy. We struggle with competitiveness. We struggle with insecurity. That, and, and then, you know, some of us, we're still struggling. We're drinking more than we need to drink. Oh, God made grape juice and wine. Okay, but he didn't say you had to consume it all in one city. Um, <laughs> we're smoking things we shouldn't smoke. We're sleeping with people we shouldn't sleep with. Why? Because we have this hole in our soul, and we think we fill it up with a bunch of stuff, but that stuff can become idolatrous. It can become idolatrous. So why do we mourn? Because we realize even after we become disciples of Jesus Christ, we're dealing with stuff in our hearts. We're dealing with stuff in our hearts. And then we mourn because of the state of the world. We see children dying. Say, man, that hurts. We, we, see, we see Christians not living right. We mourn. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to feel like, I just wish God's will was being done all the time. But we don't stay there because we keep progressing. We, we have a sense of honesty. And then the, the next beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's a word we don't use. Meek. We don't use that. So what does it mean? When we repent, what does it mean to repent? Ask forgiveness? Well, you ask forgiveness, but then you change. How do you repent of stealing? Steal fewer things? No, you stop stealing. <laughs> we repent. That means we turn. I'm going in this direction. Once I come in contact with Jesus, I go in this direction. I am changing. And we get converted. We say, I can't do this on my own. All right? We get converted. And then what happens when we become meek? We're transformed. We learn to have strength under control. You know, sometimes Christian people can be the wimpiest people on the planet and laid back and, and no opinions and just going with the flow. And No. You have a strength, but it's under control. You make a difference, but it's under control because it's all under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, is any of that making sense right there, brother and sister? And this is stuff we have to wrestle with. It doesn't come easy. We have to wrestle with this. And Jesus was a masterful teacher because he threw it out and he said, now you guys got to wrestle with this. But this is the, what I require for you to follow me. What's the next slide? Which social injustice bothers you? What just bothers you? You can type it in, Keegan. I know you want to have a conversation with me. And I really want to have a conversation with you. But go ahead and type it in. Racism. Homelessness. Yeah, those are real. Police brutality. Colorism, poverty, youth imprisonment, homophobia, financial inequity. These are good. Trafficking. All these are real. All these are good. How does this tie into what Jesus was talking about? 
Go to the next slide. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, number one, we got to make sure that we're living right. Because one thing about injustice, we see it so easily in other people. Boy, we go off on other people. And what we got to be careful of, especially those of us who are claiming to be Christians, we can't get on that social justice bandwagon so loud and we're telling everybody else what they need to change when we aren't changing. What are we like in our families? When they put your name down to invite you to the family reunion, do they grimace? Oh, gosh. When you walk into the office, are they like, oh, man. oh Lord, she's back. Oh, he showed up today. Wow. We got to make sure we are living lives in a way that we have something to talk about. And then we get in there and we say, okay, now there needs to be righteousness around me. I need to stand for something. I need to have a cause that I'm fighting for. But we're fighting with the right weapons. Because while we're out there fighting and we're marching and we're doing all this stuff, people are watching us. What are they seeing? Notice the word that came out a lot, hypocrite. Hypocrite. You know, the, the, we had a, a Bible study the other day, and I wanted the brothers and sisters to understand, because we were talking about the different social issues, smoking weed, smoking weed, <laughs> LBGTQ issues. I said, guys, you know what? You know who Jesus had the toughest things to say to? It wasn't the prostitute. It wasn't the tax collectors. The religious leaders. The religious. Jesus went in on them religious people. Jesus was like, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and you make him twice the son of hell as you. Stop sharing your faith. I mean, Jesus was just, he was like, you make this look bad. We don't want to be in that boat. We don't want to be in that boat. See, once we understand the hunger and thirst for righteousness, then we go to the next one. Blessed are the merciful, so they will be shown mercy. As Christians, we got to be careful not to become intolerant, judgmental towards others. Boy, it cracks me up. I love Christians. I love Christians. Man, I can't stand when people cursing around me. I love them. Uh uh. No cussing in here. You just stopped cussing last week. And in traffic in your car, I know you're going off. And some of you in your households, you still cussing. It's like, what, what is all this? Mm, I don't want that around me. It's like, come on. Come on. Stop. Can we just be real? Can we be honest? And then, how many of us struggling silently is going through our minds? Nobody in this room is doing that. We got to be careful with being judgmental and condemning. We got to have an understanding. You know what? We're all struggling. We're all struggling. Now, for those of us who are 
Because still wrestling, you know, we, we just got out the water, but every now and then things are coming out that shouldn't be coming out. <laughs> the next one, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. How do we keep our hearts pure? By walking in the light. Learning to implement the word of God into our daily lives, into our marriages, into our parenting, into our dating. Okay, so working with... I don't have enough time, Jazz. I don't have enough time. I am so confused with my 20-year-olds and dating. I don't get it. I, I sit in class with the guys, and they're talking. I'm like, what? Is that your girlfriend? No. We're just kicking, talking, something. I'm like, okay. Do you like her? Well, I don't want her to know. Oh, okay. I'm so confused. I mean... Do, do y'all go on? Do, first of all, first of all, do, do people go on dates anymore? Jazz, is there such a thing as going on a date? No, no, I'm just, I, I'm just confused. I know I'm almost 60. I don't get it. I mean, I, there was a point in time you went... You pick the young lady up. You open the car door for her. You took her to McDonald's. If that's the best you can do. Sister, you're out the house. I mean, come on. If the brother only got enough for a Big Mac, he's doing the best he can do. Now, see, so, so, see, some of us, some of us, our standards are really, really high. And then you talk, get to know each other. There is no commitment. You just get in to know each other. Then you say, that's it. I'm going to my house. You going to your house. Miles, you take her home. You give her a hug, a side hug. And you go home. It's just, my wife loved this, okay. It's called fellowship, one another relationships, getting to know it, just getting to know it. Listen, it's too many of us. And, you know, I, I crack up because the boys start talking in class, and I just laugh. It's like, y'all, listen, when you start living like you're married without a commitment, and you get all this emotional entanglement, and why do people argue via text? I'm like, what is that about? <laughs> I'm in class, and I'm like, boy, what you doing? Oh, I'm having an argument with my girlfriend. Oh, gosh. Okay. Talk. Okay, we're gonna move it on because this is Jazz's encouragement, and and I can honestly say, well, let me get back to the dating. But Angel, did you help him with his dating? He allowed himself to be influenced, because for y'all that don't know, Vic Jazz was a frat man, stereotypical, but. 
Once he repented, he was different. He was different. He became distinctive. Quay is laughing because Quay knows. He became distinctive. Because if we're dating like people in the world are dating, or if we're interacting in our marriages, you know, attitudes, going off, holding grudges, talking about stuff that happened five years ago, not moving on, and then our children are hearing that, and, you know, guys, we got to be, we got to be distinctive. Are we distinctive? And the last thing we say, in our social media, oh, gosh. Come on, guys, Christians. We're supposed to be Christians. We, we can't post the way the world posts. We can't put up the same stuff and laugh at the same jokes the way the world does. But you have to wrestle that out with your conscience and God. But I'm just saying that what the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you know what helped me? Because I was worldly, lost. I mean, I was, I got converted in the 80s. My favorite artist was Rick James. I was lost, okay? Just lost. But I started, y'all know who Rick James is? Just Google Rick James. The preacher like Rick? Yep, that's my favorite artist. Okay, but it's not church-worthy lyrics, Keegan. But I had to start reading my Bible. The only way our hearts are going to be purified, we got to become people of the book. We got to read our Bibles. Um, yeah, my next question here. We got to wrap this up. I love it when we have songs we listen to and, and we have different ways of being inspired, but which scriptures help you get back on track? Which scriptures do you go to when you know you aren't where you need to be spiritually that help you get back on track? And you know, we all should have those scriptures that just encourage us. Proverbs 3, 5, you know, Matthew 6, 33, whatever we got to do, you know, are the answers, there are 32 answers, 34 answers, okay. I'm just, I was nervous there for a while. I'm like, we don't have any scriptures? I mean, oh my gosh. Psalm 1, Jeremiah 29, James 1, Philippians 4, yes, Philippians 4, 4, that's my, let, rejoice in the Lord always, always. Woo, always, you know, John 3, 16, James 1. Consider it pure joy when you face troubles of many kinds. I'm working on that one. I mean, you know, Romans, all these, this is encouraging. It's the word of God that's going to help us stay on track, get us back on track. And, you know, it goes on to say, blessed are the peacemakers, because once our hearts are pure, we're going out there and we're helping other people. And being a peacemaker simply means we're trying to help people be prepared to meet God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. While living right, we spread the gospel. That's the peace. You can go to the next one because it's all about reconciliation. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Not because people just don't like you because you're so ungodly that you can't connect with anybody. Because some people say, I'm being persecuted in my family. Okay, let's talk about this. Are you serving? Or do you show up and eat everything? <laughs> Are you the one always complaining, always negative? See, sometimes we call stuff persecution really is a consequence of how we live. Yeah. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, you got to understand, Christians, sometimes when you are striving to do the right thing and people don't like you, it's okay. They're in rebellion towards God. Uh, we're in this era. We can't believe somebody don't like us. Okay. I've had those conversations. Oh, so-so don't like me. Uh-huh. Sun's still shining. Life goes on. It's, it's okay. It is okay. But I, I, I don't want us to get it confused that when we're not doing what we need to do and we're getting called out on it, maybe we just need to repent. You know what the Bible says to close it out? You're the salt of the earth, but the salt loses saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to be salt. You know, as we go out into the geographical areas, out into the community, my prayer is that we live like kingdom citizens. And we preach the word. We just, just preach the word. But we live in a way that people will be attracted to us. But we got to be prepared. When we preach the gospel, all type of people are attracted to the gospel. Because even in Jesus' own personal entourage, there was the tax man and the assassin. Simon the zealot. His job was to assassinate Romans. But he heard the gospel and his life changed. You know, there are going to be people who come in and out of our lives. We may feel a little uncomfortable initially until we all understand that we're on this journey together. Let's go to God in prayer for our communion. Father and God, we come before you right now. And God, we want to thank you so much for Jesus. God, we want to thank you so much for the example that he set Just thank you for the way he lived his life, God. And thank you for a clear call. You don't make it confusing. You you have a standard for us. And you want us to live a certain way so that the world can hear the gospel. God, please forgive us. We all have contributed to the negative connotation that people have of the church, God. I have contributed to it. And I pray you will forgive us. And I pray we can all do better. That we can live in a way that... Although we're persecuted, it's because of righteousness' sake. Thank you for this bread that represents the body that was broken, the fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed. We ask these prayers in your son's name. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.